no safety net. And, you know, I'd, I'd come from a, as I say, an overpaid and underworked position. We'd just moved to a bigger house. I'd just put my eldest in a fee-paying school. My partner said, look, all the, all the bad shit you've been worried about has not happened, so there's nothing to lose. So the wine industry as a whole is about 20 years behind everybody else in terms of digital and online. Yeah, and that, that's being kind. But the agencies would turn around and say, but we're doing what we told you we would do, and they are. But it feels, it, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And they are robbing people. And it really gets my goat. If you are a financial services business who is not willing to invest in your own website, who on earth is going to invest with you? So today on the Engaging Marketeer podcast, I am interviewing a fellow digital marketer, uh, a man named Martin Litt, who moved from the the dream job, I would imagine, of being a, a wine salesman, uh, where he was paid by his own admission uh, ridiculous sums of money to travel around, drink wine, sell wine to people while drunk, and then go travelling again and sell more wine. I, I can only imagine what it's like to do something like that. I mean, I'm kind of living that now, but without the actual selling of the wine. So you may wonder, why would anybody leave a job like this? Why would anybody leave an industry where travelling and drinking wine is your business? Well, like most people who leave any sort of industry over the last few years, COVID was the reason. The wine industry and his whole reason for being sort of fell apart with the pandemic and he transitioned into digital marketing. So I'm talking with him today about how he did that, how he found the resolve to keep going and, and change his whole business around to, to do something different when so many people just gave up. What made him keep going? So you, you're well, your your background's in wine, which I find quite fascinating. Yeah, so I spent um, eleven years in the wine industry. Wow. So I um, I left uni without a degree to start selling wine, which obviously my parents were thrilled by. <laughs> um, and it was, and I don't know why I did it because it was a um, no basic commission only selling fine wine door to door in Rotherham and Barnsley, which is a tough gig. Um, but I loved it. And I did that for, I worked with that business for four years in the end, and then just moved on doing all kinds of things. So I worked with an English winery um, down in, uh, down in Devon, Lime Bay, um, worked with Lathwaite's for a couple of years, worked with a couple of startups and ended up as a wine buyer, which is the, it's the holy grail of, uh, of the wine industry. You're basically severely underworked and overpaid and you have to t just taste wine and take clients schmoozing abroad every now and again. It's, it really is uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so my partner who's been doing digital webs, uh, digital marketing and websites for the last 14 years has been pestering me since about 2015 to go and work with her. Mm. But you know, I had it so cushy. I wasn't, I wasn't moving for love and money. That was, that was me set. I can see my life stretching out into infinity <laughs> and I was happy with it. But um, but no, COVID put paid to that, so that was uh, that was that really. I, I was just thinking then, what what would get you to to move away from a, a job like that where it, it's just wine and holidays? But yes, I think imagine a global pandemic would. Yeah, yeah, a complete shutdown of hospitality, of all export, of all trade, of all retail. Um, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the trouble is, because I spent so long doing what I've done. Um, and, and learning my craft and my trade and, and I did the, um, the WSET level up to level three and looked at the diploma and looked at the educators course my skill set was so niche 
that I probably don't, there aren't any jobs doing what I did even now, sort of two years on, it's mm. going to take another couple of years to recover to that point. So I needed to, to switch really. I needed to find something. And my partner said, look, all the, all the bad shit you've been worried about has not happened. So there's nothing to lose. <laughs> on we go. <laughs> yeah. And that was it really. So uh, how much do you miss it? It, I miss some elements a huge amount. Um, I, I keep my, my fingers sort of uh, in a few pies. I still work at the, um, the Decanter World Wine Awards every year. I've got a great relationship with those guys. Um, and that's a, that's a hard week. But again, I see that as a bit of a holiday. I enjoy that a lot. But um, yeah, working with wine every day is, is a novel experience. And it, it really opened my eyes to the way that networking changes across different industry so i'm obviously I'm, as you know i'm part of bni now mm. and i did that for my business because in the wine industry the way you do business is you you are very very polite all day to it to everybody and then you all go out and get absolutely hammered in the evening <laughs> together and you write loads and loads of business and then when you wake up you go down for a late lunch uh, sorry late breakfast early lunch and you sit down together and you figure out what 50 or 60 percent of that is actually going to stick <laughs> and then that's what you put your names to and that's done um, and I, it was really odd moving away from that style of that very informal way of, of doing business to, to a much more a much more formal system that we use now. Mm. So now you're now you're in digital marketing. I am. And the company name Quaff. Yes, that's a, a hark back to me drinking lots of wine and my my good lady running on coffee pretty much that's her fuel so it's, it seemed like a good we noticed a huge trend in a lot of sort of digital marketing agencies just going for one big random word with the word digital after and we thought well there's one mm. yeah it, yeah let's it's, make it work <laughs> it's different from the old school method of doing it where they'll pick a color and then they'll pick an animal which <laughs> tends to be the way you name your agencies you know there's even agency name generators online where you pick your random color <laughs> Green, green elephant, friend, blue dolphin. Good friend of mine, um, Alex, <laughs> his agency is called Avid Panda. Avid Panda. <laughs> yep, that's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. Missed a trick there. Took us ages to come up with Quaff. A lot longer than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quaff makes a lot more sense. I mean, there's history, there's story behind it. You know, there's, yeah, there's a yeah, reason you can for talk it. about it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas blue dolphin, no, not really. Apologies if anyone's listening to this whose company is called Blue Dolphin, by the way. That was just a random colour and a random animal I picked. That's your Anyone, fault for naming it. They paid a lot of money to another agency to come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've named it Quaff, does that mean that you're, you're, you're fiancé, isn't it? Because you're not quite married yet. We are, yeah, we're engaged. You're I, engaged. I, haven't, uh, I just haven't had the 10 grand to chuck at a wedding <laughs> for the last couple of years. Does does that mean that um, she wasn't working in her own business until you left the wine industry? She was. She was uh, trading under the name of Kate Litt, so she was doing her own stuff. Um, and she, as I say, she's been doing that for... She started 14 years ago when her son was born. Hmm. She um, she was a single parent and she decided that she wanted to... She wasn't just going to sit back and do nothing. She has to be doing something. Her brain's 100 miles an hour all the time, so she's got to have something to do. She'd always liked design. She's got a great eye for colour and design and the way sort of shapes and branding work together. So that's what she started doing. And that generally evolved into um, sort of more general branding and then into digital marketing and then into website design um, and sort of WordPress website mm. development. And that's that's what she does. Well, that's what we do now. I mean, I'm not, I can't pretend to, I'm not the technical partner. She is the, the technical partner. 
Um, so she does all the build and all the technical bits and pieces, and I do all the soft skills. Like I do the SEO, I do all the writing, and I do the client communications. I think we've got a dog wants to uh, wants to join in there. We've got three dogs that I've shut out. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're grumpy that the pigs are, are getting more attention at the minute, which is such an odd sentence to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you say very often, is it? No. no so absolutely. with with the two of you there now, I take it that means it, it's almost like it's gone from freelance to agency. Yeah, exactly. So Kate, Kate is my partner. She's she's always been very very specific with who she works with. She would only work with people that she got on well with on a personal level, which at the time I was the breadwinner and I, I just saw that as, you know, that was a luxury that she could afford. Uh, she liked working with um, single mums. She liked working with women in business. She liked working with women startups because she'd been there. She knew the hurt. She knew the pain. Mm. We could afford to provide a really good service without charging the earth and she could help people. Um, and that was very much what she wanted to do so it was whilst she was a freelancer it was a freelancer with very sort of strict conditions <laughs> <laughs> which is which is odd I, I i didn't um i didn't really see anybody else doing that at the time and it, it you, i'll be honest it used to frustrate me a bit i used to think you could make a lot more money than you do mm. but she would have been a lot less happy which is um it's that's it's very important to us that we're happy with what we're doing so yeah, it has it has switched from freelance to agency now. Yeah, life balance is is absolutely critical. Exactly. What what's it been like going from freelance to agency? Because that is a big step. It's it's quite a scary step because obviously you now leaving the wine industry and going in working within the, the new agency environment that's putting everything in one basket. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, my our eggs were very firmly put in one basket for me because as I said, the wine industry is now only just recovering two years on. So it was either scratch around and just find whatever or it was make a fist of this um there was no safety net and you know i'd i'd come from a as i say an overpaid and underworked position we'd just moved to a bigger house i'd just put my eldest in a fee-paying school <laughs> <laughs> so we it, it got a bit silly everything was fine on the salary i was on and then that all disappeared so yeah there were there were certainly sleepless nights there are still occasionally sleepless nights so i can't i can't lie that anxiety hasn't been my constant companion for two years but you do find out what you're capable of when you're put under those circumstances and I think a lot of people a lot of people have found themselves to be a lot stronger than they thought they were and a lot more resourceful mm. and a lot more willing to help other people it's one of the things that I love about um I don't want to keep going on about it but the BNI and, yeah. and that kind of structured group that is out to help each other I think that is that's really gone through a like a crucible if you like and it's it's forged something a lot stronger than a lot of people and I think it's that's it's sort of an unexpected plus of, of what everyone's gone through in the last few years yeah it's, it's almost like the necessity is the mother of invention that you know exactly. when, when we're in a global pandemic we're in everybody is losing their jobs that you have to do something and businesses start I mean our business engage web started in the last recession back in 2009 so we launched in a recession when there were lots of people that needed work and we were able to give people work writing content for clients so it worked really well for us then whereas many people were panicking same this time there's lots of businesses that are starting in this recession i I like what you said about bni as well about the support because obviously i'm I'm in bni as well as you know There's, there's a lot of people who hear about networking groups like BNI and it's not for them. Maybe they go once and they think it's a bit of a cult 
They think it's. I've heard that many times. It's a cult. I've been there a year. It is yeah. definitely a cult. It's definitely a cult. Yeah, it's definitely a cult. Where you know you you're expected to do all these things and you're you're treated like employees and that's not why people got into business. There's so much negativity that surrounds networking groups, in particular BNI. How have you found it to be very different to that? Well, I've. Um... Well, if I'm honest, BNI probably represents sixty-five percent of our business now, just through other chapter members and other members across uh, across the UK and and globally. In fact, um, what I really love about it is, it you, you you know it's it's a breakfast meeting and everybody meets up and they're all suited and booted, or in my case, shorts and t-shirt because I'm a <laughs> renegade like that. Um, and you stand up and you do your 60 seconds and everybody knows what each other does. And it's, you know, it could be, you, I've heard this before, I've heard this before. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, when times get tough, people will look after each other. For example, in my chapter at the moment, um, we have an events planner who has obviously had the worst couple of years of their lives, um, business-wise, professionally. Um, so the moment lockdown kicked in, two or three other members stepped forward and said, right, between us, we can give you full-time employment helping us. We've got work. We've got stuff that needs doing. Come and do it for us. And it took 10 minutes for for this, this individual to go from thinking, holy shit, how am I going to put food on the table, to what started as colleagues turning into friends, going, look, we'll, we'll help you out. Don't worry, everything's fine. We'll figure it. And I think that's... That's not a one-off. I see relationships like that building up all the time, all over the place, with, with the most unlikely of friends as well, I must say. When you when you think, you look at people's personalities and you put them together and you think, that's that's not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> and But they're thick as thieves by the end of it. And it's, yeah. it's remarkable um, how much how much people reach out and how much people rely on one another. There's um, We've got another member who's, who's really not very well. Um, and it's just seeing the general support and the way everyone treats them. There's no, there's no pity, but but there's a, there's an understanding there, and it really is it really is heartwarming to see, and it, it makes a it makes a big difference to how you view the group mm. when you see how much empathy and um, along. I mean, you've got the professional stuff, and you've got the business past, and you've got all the numbers that you'd expect to be hitting, and you know everyone at the end of the day is there to make money, but it is. It, it worked out as much more than that. And it, and that is something I'd not ever experienced before. Because in the wine industry, whilst it's lots of fun, um, and you do make friends for life, you know, there's a lot of stuff that that doesn't hold water. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't happen that should happen. And there's a lot of things that do fall through. And there are a lot of people left on their own if they're on the wrong side of a decision or yeah. something that goes a bit wrong. So the, I haven't seen any of that. I've only seen people supporting one another and no. it's made a big difference it's really interesting you say that cause, i mean when people hear about something like bni they they, they don't see that from the outside and no. you, you don't see that when you just go to a meeting as a visitor because it's just something that that you experience over the weeks and over the months that you come to realize that wow this is actually a lot more than i thought it was and and your story there about the events planner with their business obviously completely falling apart through covid being supported and being able to to find work within BNI, we, we had almost an identical situation in our group actually, because uh, we had a travel agent, right? Who yeah. obviously their business completely collapsed overnight, mm. but they switched their entire business round to do carpet cleaning. Okay, and they got a van, created the brand, got all their clients through BNI, and 
just absolutely smashed it through covid and it was well, so a lot of people at home a lot of people it was so it was so inspiring to see because it, it would have been so easy just to go oh no my business is over i'm going to go and crawl into a bottle and maybe come out the other side in two years time when this is fine but no no they just went right i'm going to do this now completely mm. changed it around brand new business support through bni we gave them all the support we could and they are absolutely killing it and now it's all starting with travel again they've still got the travel bit behind them so they now have two businesses they can operate. And it's inspiring to see people do that. And without B&I, it wouldn't actually have been possible for them to do it. Absolutely. So that is inspiring. Um, in terms of your, your marketing activities, your, your digital marketing, what is it that you like to do for clients? So we, <laughs> I, uh, I started Quaff with, with a master plan, right? So... <clears throat> When, um, when I first started out, the, re- the one of the other reasons we wanted to call it Quaff is I wanted to, to go back and work with the wine industry, right? So the wine industry as a whole is about 20 years behind everybody else in terms of digital and online. Yeah, and that, that's being kind. Um, so I thought to myself, all these independent wine merchants have now that they've lost their footfall, they've lost all their retail, everybody's at home, they're going to have to shift their business online in order to stay afloat. The problem they've got is they don't know anything about digital and nobody in digital knows anything about wine. There's a real disconnect. Nobody understands their products. Nobody understands their market. And I thought, well, I can tie those gaps, you know, sorry, bridge those gaps, tie those strings together. This is perfect. So I rang around about 30 independent wine merchants. I said, look, we've worked together over the last decade in one form or another. This is what I'm doing now. You need X, Y, Z. I'm here to provide it. And, um, and to a man, and they are all men, unfortunately. Um, they said, "No, no, this will be over in three months. We'll be fine. Don't worry about it." Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> so three months later, I rang them all back, and five had gone out of business, and the other twenty-five had said, "Well, actually, we know we need what you offered before, but now there's no money left, so we can't pay for it." Wow. So I, I genuinely thought I could replace my income in a week. I thought this is the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> it's all seamlessly sort of slot into my life but no it, it didn't it didn't work um so we uh so it, that took me a week 10 days for me to probably get my head around the fact that I hadn't worked I was that hit me quite hard actually I was quite disappointed so then we've now we've broadened out in terms of industry the stuff we like doing for clients to go back to your original question which I realize I deviated from <laughs> um is what we call a digital partnership and that's where we become the digital arm of a business so we will talk to a client, we'll figure out what they need and we'll say, right, for a set amount of month on a retainer for the next 12 months, we're going to do absolutely everything you need digitally. And that could be new website, that could be SEO, it could be CRO activities, it could be whatever they need. It could be um, social media strategy and we will just take care of it for 12 months. Um, so the um, the client's house I'm actually sat in at the moment it was our first client who took us up on this on this package, and they went from selling about seventy five grand a year on their website to just over a quarter of a million in a year and have stayed there since, which you know we're hugely proud of. It's it was a big step because this client is also a close personal friend of mine. It's I'm sure you'll you'll know you're sure you've come across it, but mixing business with personal relationships is always a risky Uh, yeah exactly it's Mm. a real delicate operation so i'm 
touch wood <laughs> everything's going fine <laughs> um so that's what we enjoy we like we enjoy working long term with clients in creative industries because i find them more interesting generally um to make a real impact um we do offer seo packages on a monthly basis but I'll, i'm actually trying to move away from that and reduce that offering because seo is a bit of a bugbear of mine it's um it seems to be a very convenient way to take a lot of money off clients without mm. giving very many results um, because CRO or conversion rate optimization for people who aren't aware of what CRO is, is so often overlooked that clients will, are happily spending a lot of money to get a lot of people onto their website, which then isn't suited to handle it. And for me, that's it's daylight robbery and I refuse to do it. So yeah. we, I don't, I, I have taken on some SEO clients in the past and, very quickly i'll turn around and said this isn't worth your investment unless you do abc to set everything up first which we're happy to do and we can talk about um but in, unless you're willing to make those changes we're going to have to cut this short i'll give you back whatever you've paid this you know I, this is not it's not going to work and i don't want to i'm here to make you money if you see what i mean so i'm not i'm not going to just take your money and then talk the talk without walking the walk so yeah that's that's the that's the sort of the ideal client is a 12 month minimum sort of long term fairly chunky i mean we what we charge 1500 pound a month for our digital um, digital partnerships so that's 18 grand a year but when the return is well let's take this example of 180,000 you know works out mm. <laughs> you know ticks boxes yeah it's interesting so. what you say there about seo and, and getting people to websites when the websites don't convert in the first place i mean mm. i've i've worked at an agency before where that was pretty much what they did and yeah. they were charging clients on a monthly basis to do the seo and, and the websites themselves were terrible yeah. i mean they were all diabolically awful and i could see clients getting increases in rankings i could see them getting increases in traffic but it's not going to work because the sites are so terrible. Anybody gets there, it's not going to convert in the first place. If you know, if if you've got a hundred people walking into your shop and they're not buying, there's no point increasing that to have a thousand people walking into your shop because they're still not going to buy. Exactly. You're just going to be paying more for them for them to be there, and that, that's quite frustrating. Um, but the agencies would turn around and say, "But we're doing what we told you we would do," and they are. Oh, exactly. But it feels yeah. it, it's just wrong. It's just wrong, and they are robbing people, and it really gets my goat. <laughs> No, no, I, I completely agree with that. I've, I've seen that so many times and it is absolutely frustrating when that happens. I mean, I, I, I personally think that that CRO should be a part of, of SEO or at least with it. You you can't do one without the other. It's the same with, with, with Facebook advertising and Google ads, for example. We get a lot of people come to us say we'd, we'd like Facebook ads or we'd like Google ads and we look at their website and go, there's not really any point paying for traffic to send them there because that just isn't going to work. And we see that a lot. And I've seen people paying good money. Oh, there was a lady yesterday. I won't name who it was, obviously. But there was a lady yesterday talking about she just had a really good chat with a PPC guy for Google Ads about getting people to her website because she's a, she's a sole trader and she needs some help with doing this. And I've mm. seen her website. It is a WordPress-hosted website with a plain text logo that is just basically select your free theme click it bang it's on it's got the advertising down the right hand side because it's a free hosted website and it's in the financial sector all good stuff it's like <laughs> nobody unless they were a complete nut job is going to inquire with you on that website because it just does not say you can trust this person with your financial investment 
also i mean the financial services is an interesting one i've got a couple of clients in there if if you are a financial services business who is not willing to invest in your own website who on earth is going to invest with you i mean come on now yeah (laughs) Yeah. please no no it's frightening it's mad so Who's your, I want to say your favorite client, because that would be unfair for you to say. What's the client you really enjoy working with? Other than the one, obviously, you're at at the moment where you're helping <laughs> helping build a pigsty. Yeah. Which is obviously mean, yeah. is included in your, your optimization plan, you know, what, what your clients pay for. You'll just go to their house and build pigsties whenever they want. Well, I'm slightly concerned he's going to invoice me as some, some kind of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um there's a couple of clients like from um, I'll, I'll, I'll name one because she won't mind if she does hear this. It's, it's Fleur Hastings. She she runs a business called Rocks and Chains. She's a jewellery designer and maker, and she has been with Kate for nine years now. Mm. Um, and Kate started working with her as another kind of mum in business almost a decade ago as a startup. And has we we've seen sort of Fleur's business grow alongside ours. And Fleur could not be a bigger advocate of ours. She's absolutely brilliant. But, she, I mean, she's just signed off on sort of the fifth um, big project, if you like, in her kind of business growth. Um, and this is one of the reasons we like working with people a long time, because, a long term, rather, is because the only reason she could do that is because project one, two, three, and four worked and made a lot, you know, a decent amount of money and and, and has helped her to develop. Um, but what I love about Fleur is that she's, she 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 hates jargon in any, in any respect. So she won't give me jargon from her industry. I won't give her jargon from ours. She's very salt of the earth. Um, so she will send me an email with the subject line of "I've bollocked my website, help," or <laughs> <laughs> or um, oh, what is it? She said she just says ridiculous stuff, and she's just a normal person hmm. who is running a business, and I love that. Um, there's another client we've taken on recently who, who actually bought, we were looking after a florist, um, and, and the lady who owned the forest sold it to, um, this other, this other party and they bought it on, but they didn't, they didn't seem to know what the website, where it held, you know, who was looking after it, what the sort of commitments were on a monthly basis and what, what the plan was and all the rest of it. And when they came in, they, they, they were quite, um, they seem to feel quite like held hostage almost like because they hadn't realized xyz and we were you know looking after it and all, all, all the rest of it and it was it was fairly hostile for the first couple of weeks whilst we gained a bit of trust and gained a bit of um a bit of uh rapport there um and now we get on like a house on fire i he whatsapp called me from south africa two weeks ago to show off that he was eating sushi and drinking wine and i wasn't <laughs> So it's, and I love working with him and his and his wife, um, who are actually also BNI members down in down in Stroud, believe mm-hmm. it or not, which we found out at a later date. But I, I love doing that. I love I love working on clients and putting them at ease and, and showing them that yeah, all right, we are a small agency. There's only two of us, right? I'm not even sure we should be using the word agency, but <laughs> you know, there we go. Um, but my favourite people to work with are the people who are just real people they, they if they're unhappy they tell me and they tell me why and they tell me straight away and if we're unhappy i tell them why and i tell them straight away and we figure it out 
I am a real person. I want to deal with real people, real mm. people are the people. I don't want stuff suits that say what they think their line manager wants them to say. I'm not interested in that. I want to talk to a decision maker who is going to be authentic with me and tell me what they want, not what they think either I want to hear, Kate mm. wants to hear, or their boss wants to hear. So those are my favourite clients. No, that's that's some really good points there as well, particularly about saying what you what you want rather than what you think somebody else wants to hear or yeah. or, or what you think you want. Because I mean, we we get that a lot. I mean, it's rife in our industry that a client will come yeah. to you and they'll say, "Oh, I want somebody to do my Google ads for me," and that's not actually what they want. What they well, what they want is not what they need. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. What, what what they want is more business, more clients. And Google ads may not necessarily be the best thing for them, but they'll always come to you with an idea of what it is that they want, and they'll say, that's what I want, but it's not. You have to find out, right, what is it you're looking to achieve? It's like going into the doctors and saying, can you amputate my arm for me? Theoretically, I, yes. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can. But yeah, <laughs> let's, let's delve a little deeper into why you want that to happen. Oh, well, I'm getting a pain in my arm. Have you tried paracetamol? Oh, well, that's done the trick. <laughs> You know, it, it's quite common in our industry. People will say what yeah. they think they want, but it's not actually what they what they really want. Um, and what you you said as well was interesting about not knowing where their their domain was, not knowing where their website was. That's so common, so common in our industry. Where, so that's the first time I've come across that, and it really? blew my mind that someone had bought a business and had not done any due diligence on on these kind of details. Because to, to yeah. me, the, a website. It's such a large element of a business. It, I couldn't get my head around it. Oh, I it's, mean, it's it's they, really really common, really yeah. common. Particularly oh, when you, you've got <laughs> yeah, when you've got businesses where maybe there's, there's a partnership or three people involved, and one person's more technical than the others, and they'll buy the domain names and they'll set up the hosting, and then if they leave, somebody else is like, I don't know what to do. And then if it's a .co.uk domain and it's registered to them personally, and they've gone, it's really difficult to get it switched. If it's a .com, it's not so difficult. If it's a .co.uk, it's legally owned by them, so it's really difficult, particularly if they're not contactable. And when you're dealing with uh, committees and charities where people come and go within the organization, it's really common. We deal with a, uh, a sports club at the moment where when we took them on, they had several different domain names and they were all owned by different people in different places and nobody oh, knew gosh. how to get hold of them all. It's... Businesses can get into oh, a yeah, right that's mess. That's the bar manager from four years ago. Yeah, like, oh, good. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've got to be honest. We we work with a charity, the ILP, which is the um, the Institute for Lighting Professionals. We're like a trade association, but not for profits for charity states. Mm. And Jess, our contact there, is is phenomenal. But we're really, really lucky that she has been our main and single point of contact for the three and a half four years we've been working with them. Because there's been a lot of change in to, in internally, and I think if we'd have if we didn't have Jess, we, it would be yeah, life would be difficult. Mm. So what what do you do to? Obviously, you mentioned SEO and and how it it can be it can be a con, and a lot of people do it as a con. What mm. do you do to keep up with how things change and how things evolve and and how things on websites change and evolve? So I like to well, the the sort of obvious answer for me is is. Um, is hanging out with industry professionals and um, and just learning from each other. So you and I, the reason the reason I'm talking to you now is we we're in the same WhatsApp group for marketers across the globe. Mm. Again via BNI, which has been fabulous. Um, and I know I've got 30, 40, 50 people there who I can pick up the phone to and speak to if I need an update or if you know the Google Analytics switch is blowing my mind or 
<laughs> or whatever whatever happens so having a, having that kind of personal network is is super important um there's you know the information on this kind of stuff is is there for anyone at any time it's always it's ever present if you look for it so everything's just a google away and you can google something like i don't know facebook algorithm update and you'll you'll have your answer in about six minutes <laughs> it's all there so i don't i must be honest i don't i don't stay abreast of everything all the time i, I can't pretend that i do um it, an approach it's an approach I, I had to take when i was in wine as well there's too much to know across the board so you've, you've got to you've got to pick and choose the bits and bobs you go with generally speaking i'll see what people need and what our clients need and I will take my base level of understanding and then I will stick some extra research on top just to make sure I'm not missing anything or if there's any extra I can provide as well. Because, you know, I, I've got to be honest, I've only been doing this two, two and a half years. I'm not an expert and I probably, I won't be for another couple of years. So I have to keep myself accountable mm. by making sure I'm doing the research that the clients don't have time to do. And that's that's part of the service, isn't it? That's yeah. kind of what they expect. Um, my partner uh she doesn't do a lot of seo because she's doing the technical build and stuff but she's got such a nose for she's instinct she instinctively knows what she should be doing and what people enjoy she's a it's an odd i don't know what i feel about the term but she is an empath and that helps a huge amount because every time she's had a hunch about anything told me to look at something or change something or explore something she's been absolutely bang on right. <laughs> like I'd, I'd be absolutely sunk without her <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's um just research it's, it's having the humility to know that what you learned a year ago probably isn't quite right anymore yeah and being aware of that and being self-aware is the most important thing there are loads of people that i meet who will 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 only just do seo and I ask them a similar question in case they've got any, you know, brilliant mailing lists or anything I should be on. And they go, oh, no, it's all the same. So, you know, once you've been around a couple of years and five, ten years, it's all it's all cyclical and just, we, you know, you just do the same bits. And I'm thinking, hmm, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't ever want to be in that position myself. I wouldn't allow it. So, yeah, it's just knowing it's knowing your own boundaries and knowing your own weaknesses and just filling them in as you go. Yeah. when necessary i guess yeah the, the the theory behind seo hasn't changed i've, I've been no. doing it for for 22 years it's about getting the right information in front of the right people and making it as easy for them to find it and do what you want them to do mm. that's generally the theory of it but the technology behind it changes constantly constantly mm. i mean you mentioned one there you mentioned the the google analytics update which i have not spoken to a single person in the seo industry that said yeah that's really good Nobody is excited about that. Nobody oh. is looking forward to that. <laughs> Nobody thinks GA4 is anything but an absolute bag of shite. It's, it's horrific. What, what's been your experiences of Google's, almighty Google's brand new Google Analytics that we're all going to have to use? Um, it's, it seems to have tried to make something look simpler and be more complicated, which is... It sort of what's the what's the famous line that the um, the owner of Lotus used to say was sort of make lighter, make simpler. I'm paraphrasing. That's wrong, right. but it's it's along those lines. Google seems to have just done the opposite. <laughs> GA4. Um, again, it's just it's one of those things. You, it's 
we're not going to have a choice. So there's only so much I can grumble. Mm. Um, I I live by a I try to live by a um, a phrase that I only learned in the last sort of six months or so is never never be heard, uh, no never be overheard complaining even by yourself, <laughs> which was I believe from Marcus Aurelius. It's one of the sort of principles, <laughs> um, and I love that because I bitched and moaned an awful lot before mm. and. It has it has stopped me, but it's also made me realise that there's you can only get annoyed about the stuff you can control, and if you can control it, there's no point getting annoyed. So just get on. So I don't like it, but I will learn to love it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm steadfastly refusing. I can't stand Good stuff. It. <laughs> Stick to your guns. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't stand it because you're you're right. It, it, there's all all the options that we like and love seem to have just disappeared, and it is absolutely infuriating um are there industries that you don't like to work with or types of clients that you think right i don't want to be working with them yeah um let's start with clients because that's a juicy one isn't it Mm. um i don't like a client that this sounds awful penny pinching can't stand it um if the price is the price and the reason that the price is there is because of the results and the quality of the work if you start trying to marketing is the first thing to go in any budget if you start trying to price match everything all you'll end up with is absolute dross at the end of it mm. um i don't like clients who ask me to uh, ask to see previous examples of websites and then base their opinion on those websites and of course you don't like everything about them they're not for you um that really winds me up um Businesses and industries I don't particularly like working with. There aren't really any. I love an expert. I love experts. I could li- in any topic. I could listen to them talk all day, um, and that could be about paint. It could be about it. <laughs> a friend of mine works in the ink industry, and listening to him talk about it's fascinating. Um, the one industry that I I do have a couple of clients in who are, are sort of members of of BNI and, and friends of mine um, is the financial services industry. Now, because everything has to be FCA approved, the Financial Conduct Authority, in terms of copy and things you say and what you are allowed and what you aren't allowed, it does make writing content for them really dull. I mean, really dull. Mm. Um, More dull than the accountancy website I wrote the copy for a couple of months ago. And that was was pretty close. (laughs) So financial services is, it's not, it doesn't get my heart racing. I love the human stories that come out of it. They're really interesting. And and I find that the people working in financial services, I find their brains very interesting to speak to. But in terms of the the actual work, it can be it can be a bit dry. You want to try writing content for a uh, concrete floor sanding company for several years. No, no. I, well, several years might be a bit much. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every month, concrete floor oh. sanding. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Well, if you know, if you want to outsource a month to me, I'm more than happy to, to ease the load. <laughs> you see, accounting, I, I kind of find interesting. Well, no, let me let me quantify that. I don't find accounting interesting because it, yeah, it, it's it, it's boring. But I find the ways that you can save money interesting. Yeah. And the different things that you can do with accounting to for a business owner, for example, I speak to a lot of people who are new in business who've got no idea about how much money they can save. You know, I mean, 
there's one lady we, we dealt with a while ago who is independent marketing. So she does marketing for herself. And she didn't know that you could claim money for part of her home for the heating and the electric. She didn't know that she could claim mileage for going to and from meetings. She didn't know that she could put her mobile phone through the business. All of these little things that would help reduce the tax she's having to pay, she didn't know about. And only when you speak to a professional accountant or do a hell of a lot of independent research on the subject oh, and, and know that the places you're looking at are genuinely giving you the right information because yeah. those rules change all the time as well. Only when you've done that, you actually know you're going to save money. But there's so many people who refuse to take financial advice, who refuse to speak to an accountant because they think, well, that's going to cost me money. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, but it's going <laughs> to save you a, <laughs> a hell of a lot more money. A hell of a lot more. And it... It, it does it does stagger me, the people who are missing out on this. And again, it's one of those things, going back to it, that you get from B&I. You I know, was speaking to an accountant yesterday um, who said some, and we were, we were just we were having a one-to-one -one and, and talking, you know, shooting the shit. Um, and, I, and I said to him, he was talking about their sort of their service and, and what they do. I said, I can see sort of car garages being a brilliant sort of industry for you in terms of, inventory and saving money and all the rest of it and he says they are but they will jump ship for pennies he said he worked with he worked with one just through their systems and processes they saved them 50 grand a year and then they came to them at the end of the 12 months and said well chappy bollocks down the road can do it for 30 quid less so we're going to them and then 12 months later they came and said yeah they were 30 quid less but they haven't saved us any more money so can you take us on again? And this accountant went, yeah, but our rates have gone up. And they said, oh, we're not doing it then. <laughs> he said, hang on, <laughs> let me get this straight. So you'd rather not pay X amount yeah. in order to potentially save another tens of thousands of pounds that is proven because the initial outlay is, is more than we charged before. And the garage went, yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, we can't help. See you later. <laughs> yeah, some people you just can't do anything with, can you? Which you can't do anything with. my them. mind. No. Um, so your your agency now, as I say, you've used the word agency. I've used the word agency. Let's go with the word agency because you know cool. it is. It is. What are your your future plans for this? Are you going to be looking to grow it, or are you going to be staying at the, the as you are? We're we're a really odd little agency in that respect. So I get email. I'm sure you get it all the time. I get emails all the time from lead generation experts mm. um, in inverted commas. Um, who want to charge me four or five grand a month and they're going to give me 15, 15 leads a month or whatever. They're super hot, red hot. Um, and I, and I, I don't respond to them anymore. I used to respond to all of them because I hate emails being, I hate my emails being ignored. So the least I can do is reply and then it sort of gets to 30 a day and you think this is too much. But um, I, I, I initially went back to them and said, Look, have you seen our website? Have you read it? And they go, yeah, yeah, we know what you do. I said, so you know we take on three digital partnership clients at a time because, and for 12 months minimum because that's all we can handle in order to give the service and get the results that we guarantee. And they were, oh, well, do, do you think you can, it's a perfect opportunity to scale? And I said, no, we don't want to scale. <laughs> <laughs> we, so the, the sort of future plans for Quaff, we might take on a few um either freelancers or members of staff in a couple of years. But the main thing for us is to work with businesses and people we like doing jobs we enjoy to make sure everybody makes more money. And that's it. For me, happiness, um, being able to take a day off to go and build a 
pig pen or whatever, or take the afternoon with my kids or, you know, that, that to me is much more important. As long as I've got the bills paid and there's a little bit to play with every month, I'm a fairly frugal bloke. I don't need anything really. That's, that's me happy really. And, you know, in 10 years time, it's I'm going to start having to look at pensions and, and all the extra bits and bobs and, you know, retirement and mm. have to start taking that seriously. But I'm 32. I've got through a global pandemic in a startup business. I'm just I'm just here to enjoy myself and make sure my clients are happy. And that's for me, that's all I need right now. Mm. Um, I couldn't be happier. So if if there was a client out there that was looking using Guaf, what sort of industries or, or client types do you particularly want to be working with in the future? So I love creative industries um, and sort of the arts. So there's a, uh, the electric cinema in Birmingham has just been bought out and I'd love to speak to those guys because they do, they do along, alongside the mainstream stuff, they, the, there's a family business who have bought it and the guy who runs it seems, has been in cinematography all his life and seems really passionate mm. um, and I'd love to get more of that across and I'd, I'd really enjoy writing content for that and, and learning that industry and doing all the research um, you know and it's but that it's it's a that would be a very full-time role because you've got to keep you've got to keep updating this site for all the films and all the rest of it but creative industries and I think art galleries I'd love to work with an art gallery mm. um because again, it's just stuff that I can get my teeth into in terms of reading about and researching and, and you know creating interesting content and be that for social media or be that blog posts or whatever. I love writing long, super long, detailed, valuable, evergreen blog posts. Um, so I want the stuff that I write about to be interesting <laughs> for me, you know? So Richard, um, the chap whose house I'm at now, he, he runs an aquatics business. Um, so I've learned all about loads of different types of koi and fish keeping and aquatic plants and pumps and filters. And it goes out and you can build all kinds of stuff into it. So I've learned about the, uh, the pump that was built hundreds of years ago in the river Seine in France that was used to power the fountains of Versailles. Mm what a fascinating subject and some of the imagery that goes along with it is, is absolutely glorious but I would never have even thought about researching that before and it's it's about it's about learning as I go as well so Alex Johnson who I mentioned earlier who owns and runs Avid Panda his head writer is a lady called Della and he describes her as the person who wants to know the most at a dinner party <laughs> and I'm exactly the same. I just want to learn stuff. I just want to know stuff and I want it to be interesting. So, yeah. And I like creative people and I like, um, they tend to be, they, I'm going to go a little bit political. They tend to be lefties. I'm a lefty, very mm. proud lefty. Um, and I, I generally find, I gen, you know, I worked in a wine industry, which is not lefty. So I can get on, I get on with everybody. Yeah. Um, but I do tend to really connect with, um, with sort of left-wing um, sort of ideals and, and the ways of business practice, and that just tends to be arty people, really. Yeah. But, um, you know, wine wine companies, I've, I worked in the industry for 11 years, come at me, you know, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's just content, I'm happy to write about whatever you like. I've yeah. got it covered. Without getting political, because I, I try not to where I can, um, no, of course. I, I run a satirist, uh, a satire uh, news site, so, you know, fake news that... that basically make stories up that are, yeah. I, I think are hilarious. Um, it's not news thump, is it? 
No, no, it's not New Stump. No, no, no. no. I, I wish. No, if it was, <laughs> if, if it was New Stump, I'd, I'd be far better dressed than I am now. Those you wouldn't guys, be interviewing me. <laughs> those guys make a lot of money. If, if anybody from New Stump is on here, then yeah, no, those guys are really cool. No, but there was, whenever I share something out, I always get a lot of criticism from right-wing people saying, you know, you're always having a bash at Donald Trump. You're always having a bash at this. And they don't get it because I've, I've got a, a long history in satire you know I, I've read satire going back to ancient Greece satire is a left-wing medium you mm-hmm. don't get right-wing satire no. it doesn't exist and that's the bit they don't get but I really enjoy the fact that people who are right-wing don't understand the fact that satire cannot be right-wing by its very definition mm-hmm. and I find that quite funny <laughs> <laughs> Watching other people get infuriated by things I don't understand is is funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, as long as it doesn't ever switch over into bullying, then that's fine. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's fine. But, uh, no, I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much along the same lines. Mm, excellent. Excellent. So, as, as a sort of final note, if, if somebody wants to, to work with Quaff, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? What sort of socials do you want them to be, to be contacting you on? Um, so I, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn, but I don't do a lot with the the business page. So if they search Martin Lit, there's um, there's only three or four of us on there. It's L I double T. We have a Facebook page, but again, we don't do a huge amount on there. So either just a direct email to me at martin at quaffdigital.com or just Google Quaff Digital, and it should be quaffdigital.com. Come up hopefully fairly high. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think so. It's been a little while since I've worked on our own website. Yeah. I don't know if you, if I don't know if you're, you're guilty of this. You work so little oh. on your own website. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we relaunched our website about two or three months ago, right. and until we'd done that, because we, we, we got two web designers in here, and and I let them do the whole thing. I completely handed it over because I, I didn't want to touch it, because oh. our previous website went live in two thousand and twelve. And okay. it hadn't hey, updated. Time for a refresh. Yeah, it hadn't. Up- it still looked quite cool, but I think it did anyway. I mean, I I did it, so I would. Did you make it? Yeah. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the original one, 2012. It didn't get updated for 10 years. I thought, right, okay, it's probably fine. Somebody does it now. But yeah, you you don't you don't touch your own website when you run a digital agency. Everybody else's comes first. Yours is always the last one to do it. And then you have that preciousness that oh, I don't want to be changing something on mine because I did it the first time. I think it's awesome, but. I let them do it, completely handed it over, and don't tell them, but they did it better than I would. <laughs> they probably looked at it and went, oh, thank God he's letting us have a go at Yeah, this. <laughs> they, they, they did. They've, they've done a really good job. They've done a really good job. And that, that's one of the reasons now where I, I don't do web design anymore. I don't touch websites. I don't want to touch websites because the guys we've hired are better than me. But again, don't tell them. This 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 bit they're not. Gab, Gab Nick, if you're listening, yeah, if if you're listening to this, Gab and Nick, I'm I'm lying. You, you're not. You're rubbish. No, useless. But, but that is important. So if you do go to the the stage where you are going to be taking other people on, one bit of advice I would give is to hire people who are better than you. Oh, absolutely. I've got no interest in hiring somebody who's not, not as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> I want people better than me. Of course I do. No, no it's um, I'm I like to think that I'm I'm very well aware of my own shortcomings and anyone i need to hire would be would need to be at least a jigsaw fit for that if not just superior in most ways so no thank you i'll take that advice but i will uh yeah i'm very much on the same page can you also tell me the uh satirist site you run uh it's called chester bugle chester bugle chester bugle great i will check that out 
And our most famous story was one about somebody finding a Nokia 3310 in their drawer, switched With on. the battery still running after 20 years? That's the one. Was that you? Yeah, that was me. Oh, I read that. I loved it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah people are seeing me. That. All right. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, that, that, that went good. viral. That got um, news coverage across, across the world, actually. A lot in Asia, a lot in India. And there's oh, videos yeah. on YouTube, and it's got um, one of those anti-fake pages. Not Snopes, the other one telling you that actually it's not true. Like, yeah, of course it's not true. Well, you know you've made it. When, you know you've, yeah, exactly. Going, well, yeah. when they're fact-checking your stuff. <laughs> when they're fact-checking, yeah. I, I, shared my, I shared my own post on Facebook once, and then Facebook gave me a three-day ban for sharing fake news. <laughs> fake news. Yeah, so I, know I, it's, uh, I know it's fake Facebook. I wrote it. I, uh, there's, always, there's a news thump that will always stick with me that I, I, can't, I can't forget. It's um, Gilet Wera admits arms were cold the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. It just, it just, it's. It, I don't know what the circumstances were when I read it, but it just stuck in my brain. It's yeah. been a life ever since. No, Absolutely. new stump is great. That was my goal to make something as big as new stump, but I haven't had a lot of time to be doing on it lately. So, oh, where do you find the time when you're running an agency in the lockdown COVID? I, I tend to use it as an example, sort of a experiments on on SEO experiments on how content can great be used. Idea. So yeah, it's it, it's it's like a trial site. And then I, I tend to use oh, it as well for presentations. For this is how far you can push content, and this is the kind of reach you can get. So it, it's most successful post. I think it had over a million engagements on Facebook. But it was wow. the second time it was shared as well. And so the first time it went out, it didn't do anything. And I thought I'm a bit yeah. disappointed with that. I'm sure that story is funnier. Good stuff. Try yeah. again. <laughs> I'm sure that was funnier than that. So I did it again two months later, and it just exploded. Oh well, it's you know it. it... It's funny you should say that. I, I, I hear so many people talking about the best time to post on each platform, and I just think, hey, that must be bollocks. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw a, a, an article, someone had put up, oh, these are the best times, and here's the users, by mm. sort of time, hour slots and on each one per thing. But they don't give any indication over where those users are. So I'm like, well, how many... How many no. time zones is that covering? And, and no, well, you, that, that's really important. Are you important. taking out bots? Are you, you know... Yeah, time, the, time no zones is really important. Thing. I mean, if, if you're in the UK and you're trying to go global, then you want to be doing it sort of afternoon time because that's when the Americans will be up and when your audience will be up. There's a, there's a tool for Twitter where you can see when your followers are online. Hmm. But again, unless you've got thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of followers, that's not really going to be that useful. So no. you're right. How if, much business is actually done on Twitter, really? Well, there's there's a lot of complaining goes on on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. That's sort of <laughs> in what. In terms I, of transactional business. In terms of transactional business, yeah, there's, there's not really a lot. No, no, no. It, it's more about LinkedIn and, and Facebook, well, and, and Instagram, in fact. But mm. yeah, it, the the times content goes out, the length of content, it's all not really that important. It's about the right yeah. content that suits the right need, the right need which fits the person that you're you're trying to reach, and that's what's exactly. really important. And if content has to be put out several times before it hits the right spot, then do that. Too many people create a bit of content, put it out, and go Phew, that didn't do very well, and then they ditch it. Yeah, and you're like, whoa, no, 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 <laughs> come on now. It's like you, you <laughs> at put, the very least, there's a repost in there. <laughs> yeah, you put the effort into creating that. Don't just fire it out once and try it. Do you watch Red Dwarf? I, you know what? I never got the hang oh. of Red Dwarf. My dad loves it. There's, there's this brilliant moment on Red Dwarf, which fits still today, that Lister was getting quite exasperated because they, they tried something in, on Red Dwarf to escape from this cell. It didn't work. And then at the end, Lister tried it again. And, it worked. and Lister's like, I never understand why we only ever try things once. 
<laughs> it's like the um, you're trying to plug a USB in and it wrong, flip it over, <laughs> wrong. still wrong, <laughs> flip it back, flip it back, then it works. works. You're like, yeah. what? <laughs> so how is that physically possible? Yeah, yet it is every time, every time, yeah. without fail. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for uh, doing this interview. I really appreciate you, you doing it. And it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. <laughs>